can't be doing that, so please let me know if you hear him say that again, and I will reinstate. But um, I'm hoping he won't use it again. But, you know, I guess he felt like there was a bit of weight behind him. You know, his, his granddad, what he says goes, so he felt like he could be a little bit more, you know, push it a little bit, demand a little bit. And to be honest, my kids are very proud of their granddad. They're very proud of him. They love telling their friends about him. They love seeing him preach. They love hearing him on the radio. They love seeing him on TV. And then they just love playing with him at home and, and going on holidays together and doing doing fun things, and they know that what he says in church goes, but they also know that if you want something, especially if it's like they want something bought for them, it's not granddad that is the boss, it's Nana. <laughs> they need to go see Nana. She is the real boss. And actually, I heard Emma say the other day, I've never heard her say it before, but to one of her little school friends, she said, did you know my Nana is the boss of the whole church? <laughs> bless, bless. <laughs> it's so cute. But anyway, um, this morning, I want to talk about another statement made by another man in the Bible, and we find it in 2 Kings chapter 2. But before we do, would you just pray with me? Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here and that you are working already. And these words that I've put together are, are really nothing, but with you, Holy Spirit, you can speak to each one of us. So we just invite you, would you come right now? Would you come and speak to us? Would you come and change us? Come and fill us. In fact, why don't you just for a moment, just lift your hands and just in your own words, invite the Holy Spirit to come. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Speak to us. You know, he's here. Can you feel him? Ever since we've been journeying for more of the Holy Spirit, it's like his presence just comes so quickly and so easily. And I love it. And he's got something to say to each one of us this morning. But let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible if you want to. It is a great passage of scripture. It's the story of Elisha and Elijah and Elijah ascending to heaven. And so it came to pass that when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven, before I start, by the way, Elijah and Elisha are really similar names. There's only one letter that separates them. So if I get them muddled, please autocorrect for me. It's kind of like if you name your girls Jane and June or something. It's just too confusing. But I'll try, and, I'll try and get them right. Anyway, it came to pass that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went on to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and they said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as, my, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah once again said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle and 
rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. I love it how complete God's miracles are. You know, they didn't cross on shallow water. They didn't even cross on damp ground. It was dry ground. I love that. Um, And so it was, verse 9, that when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And so he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. I love that passage of scripture. Can you imagine being Elisha and witnessing that moment? I mean, it must have been terrifying, to be honest, to see suddenly this chariot of fire, these horses of fire, and his master just taken up into heaven. It would have been the most awe-inspiring and scary and holy moment. And this is where we also see that the mantle of Elijah is passed on to Um, Elisha. And now there are only three men in the Bible that were taken up to heaven. Enoch was the first, Elijah was the second, and then Jesus himself was the third. So it's pretty significant. And so we see that the mantle, Elisha picks up the mantle. I don't have a mantle this morning. All I have is my long black cardigan that I'll just use to demonstrate. But, you know, I'm guessing that this was on the ground and he went over and he picked up this mantle. And the mantle was a symbol of authority given by God. But Elisha, Elijah, um, no, Elisha, it is Elisha, he had to work hard for this mantle. It wasn't just handed to him, even though earlier on in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, uh, God had already appointed Elisha to take over from Elijah. We read in there, if I can find it, um, in verse six, 1 Kings 19 verse 16, that God said to Elisha, Elijah, you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shepherd of Shaphat of Abel of Mahola as prophet in your place. So God had already, uh, you know, he'd already called Elisha. He'd already decided that Elisha was going to follow on, and yet he still had to work really hard for this mantle. Elisha had to leave everything that he had, um, and we don't get a lot from the Bible, but, you know, he was with his family. He was over a number of team of oxen. He was probably reasonably wealthy. It was, there was probably prominence in his family. He obviously was happy there, and he had to leave it all. He had to leave his security, his finances, his future, um, and, and go and become the servant of Elijah, and that was, that was a pretty significant decision. But what I love about Elisha is that he could see beyond the immediate. You know, in the immediate, it probably looked like this is, what, why would I do this? But he could see the destination. He could see where he was gonna go. So he knew that this was a once in a lifetime decision. He took it with both hands, he left everything, and he became Elijah's servant for a number of years. We don't know how many exactly, probably between four and eight, and then, 
he sees Elijah taken up to heaven, and the two of them are on that final walk together. But even then, Elijah three times says to Elisha, hey, stay here, I'm gonna go ahead. But what does Elisha do? He says, no, I will not leave you. I love that attitude, I'll not leave you. And even after that, we see the prophets prophesying, do you know your master's gonna be taken away from you? And, and he says, yes, I know, keep silent. And there's this distraction going on. And finally, he asks for that double portion, and then he sees his master taken up and he picks up the mantle, and he strikes the water, and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elijah? And that's the statement that I wanna look at today for the next few minutes. But before we look at where is the God of Elijah, I wanna look at who is the God of Elijah? Who is the God of Elijah? He's the God that makes a way where there is no way. He parted the Jordan for Elijah to walk through on dry ground. He is the God that provides when there is nothing. He provided the oil and the flour for the widow of Zarephath for those three years when um, there was drought and famine in the land and they didn't run out. In fact, he even provided food for Elijah by sending the ravens to go out and get food and bring it to him. He's the God that can shut the heavens. He shut the heavens for three years. There was no rain and then we see the cloud the size of a man's fist that got bigger and bigger and the rain came. He is the God that answers by fire. When Elijah calls out to God and asks him to consume the sacrifice, God answers by fire and he is the God that can conquer death. And we see Elijah, he was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire and that's the God of Elijah and that's the God that I serve. You know, to see our nation one for Jesus, to see suicide statistics begin to drop, to see violence begin to be on the down, to see um, alcohol and substance abuse begin to plummet, we need to see the power of God demonstrated. We need to see the God of Elijah. Our nation needs to see that our God is alive, that he is real, and that he is working just as he was all those years ago. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, we see the miracles of God demonstrated, um, and we see amazing things, amazing victories won by God, uh, you know, just killing a bunch of people or, you know, turning them on each other, stopping the sun, parting the, the Red Sea, all these amazing, incredible miracles. And so often, it's accompanied by that statement, so that they would know that I am the one true God. See, you know, the children of Israel, they needed God to come through. They needed those miracles, that provision, those victories. But beyond that, God wanted to show that he was the one true God, that all these other nations' gods couldn't hear, couldn't see, couldn't talk, couldn't answer, that our God is the one true God. So where is the God of Elijah? Well, that question haunts me. And I'm convinced that we can see the same power that was demonstrated through Elijah and Elisha begin to show itself and demonstrate us, demonstrate itself through you and through me. The God of Elijah is still alive today, just as he was all those years ago. And you know, as we begin to see the power of God demonstrated, our nation is gonna turn back to him. We will see this nation in revival. 
You know, one of the great things that we're beginning to see is we're beginning to see the God of Elijah at work, you know, in pockets. The stories and the testimonies that I'm beginning to hear more and more is amazing. Even just this one this morning from Bex um, getting pregnant. We heard last week of the girls having that song, but there've been amazing miracles. Just on Sunday night, we heard Leonel share her testimony of her leg and she was on crutches and she got prayed for a number of times and then she was able to let those crutches go and she got healed. Recently, I prayed for um, two people who are very suicidal, very suicidal, and one of them's come through and the other one's working through. You know, God is beginning to show his power. I heard of another story uh, just the other day of a, a man in our church that he got saved, and the way he got saved was that one time in his car, he decided he'd just have a conversation with God. And so he started to talk to God, and he said that as he did, the presence of God just filled his car so much that he could hardly drive. And he came home, and he said to his wife, I believe in God the Father. He is real, and he is alive. And I'm just going to actually invite Tinny and Lissa to come and share. They've recently been on a missions trip because God's not just working in our nation. He's working all across the world. And they saw some amazing things. So put your hands together as they just share for a few minutes. Good morning, everyone. Um, so yes, Tinny and I, we've been coming for oh, 17 years now. We've been a part of the church for about 17 years. And we've been serving for around 10 years as well. Um, so we've never been on a mission trip overseas before, and this was the first time we've been to a third world country. Um, so it was, it was quite an experience. Um, anyways, it was, um, we've been back for a couple of weeks now, and we've been able to really download what we've experienced and seen. And man, it's been such, such a crazy and rewarding trip, but a couple of things have stood out by far. Um, at the camp we spoke at, there were around 600 kids um, aged between high school and university, um, and they're all from around 22 different churches. So just being in a room full of 600 kids that overflowed into a tent outside, um, and they were on fire for God, some had even walked up to three days just to be at this camp, um, just to hear the gospel really shook us. Um, the passion and the fire that we saw in, this, uh, in these kids were on a whole nother level. Like we've never seen or experienced anything like this. So Tanisha's just going to share more about our camp experience. Morning, church. Yeah, man, the Church of Nepal is alive. It's, it's unbelievable what we saw. God is truly doing some amazing things amongst the people of Nepal. Uh, throughout the camp, the three, four days we were there, we saw passion and hunger and fire like we've never seen before from young people. And so we were truly amazed, truly overwhelmed, blown away by it. And two things stood out for me. One was their prayer life. When you speak, yeah, they laser in, they focus on you, they write down the notes, they open their Bibles, they, they listen hard out. But when you ask them to pray, it's like they switch. Everything just erupts. They all cry out to God. They all raise their hands. They all just, just, they're just gunning for a miracle. They're gunning for a breakthrough. They're just running after it. They, I'm, I've stood back like, man, is this what they, how they pray? I was stood back. I didn't want to show too much, you know. But, uh, but their prayer life is on different level. And then on the last night was the Holy Spirit night where it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was crazy in itself. Uh, I've never been a part of it. I've only heard stories about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've never been a part of this intensity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Kids being slain, 
some kids in the corner being delivered and uh, tongues of fire came. Young people were speaking in tongues all over the place and oh no, it was so loud you couldn't even hear yourself think. It was just eruption of just the Holy Spirit and uh, the move of God was right there and uh, we were just amazed to be a part of it and to, be, to experience the whole thing. And man, and God just told me, I told you, Tini, I could turn up anywhere in the midst of a Hindu country, outskirts of Nepal, I could turn up in a tent just like that. And I was like, yeah, you can. So God is good. All glory to him. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, and I believe that God is absolutely going to do that here as well. Yeah. We're starting to see it, but that hunger is going to keep on increasing. And I remember Alyssa telling me that, you know, here generally when we fall, we kind of just gracefully fall, but there they just, boom, fell. <laughs> there was no grace just on top of each other, wherever. Just the power of God hit them so strong. So thanks, guys, for sharing. Um, it's amazing. And so just to finish off, I want to... Um, just share a couple of things that we see in Elisha that we can take on board. Elisha had some very big shoes to fill, and he knew that on his own he wasn't enough. He knew that this mantle on its own was just a cloak unless he had the God that his master had as well. So he calls out as he strikes the water. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And he was saying, God, this cloak needs more than I have to perform miracles, to speak prophetically into the nation, to do all that Elijah did. God, I need you to come through for me just as you did for my master. And we know that God did come through for Elisha. He went on to do even more miracles than Elisha did. And he saw the hand of God move and he stepped into that mantle. But we see in this passage four things things that Elisha does to enable the power of God to flow through him. And the first thing that we see is that he serves faithfully. As I mentioned at the beginning, he left everything. Elisha left everything that he had to become a servant. And he did that for a number of years. And in the Bible, uh, we see that, that verse where Elisha was called. And then we see their final walk together. But in between, we don't actually hear about Elisha. We only hear about Elijah. He was faithfully serving, day in, day out, just faithfully serving. And do you know what? Our God rewards faithfulness. In fact, faithfulness really is the essence of Christianity. It's, it's faithfully coming to church. It's faithfully spending time with God. It's faithfully making right decisions, reading the word, choosing to have good attitudes, choosing to respond. Faithfully day in, day out, week in, week out, just serving God. But I want to tell you, God sees. God sees the faithfulness. And he rewards and he comes through and he will demonstrate his power through your life as you faithfully serve, you're positioning yourself for the supernatural. And the thing about faithfulness is that in those seasons, God is preparing us. God is working in us. And we've heard it so many times, but God is more concerned about what is happening in us than what is happening to us. Don't get me wrong, he cares about what's happening to us. He is such a good God. He cares about the um, absolutely little prayers that I pray that must mean nothing to him, but he still answers them at times. You know, He cares about the little things, but he more than that cares about what is happening on the inside. 
what is shaping, what is forming, what is being worked in our life, who we are becoming. So as we faithfully serve, just like Elisha did, we position ourselves for the power of God. The second thing we see in Elisha is that he asks boldly. I mean, asking for a double portion is a bold prayer. It is a bold request, and it's a big request, but it's a God-centered request. You know, his main goal was not to be better or more powerful than Elijah, but to accomplish more for God. And God wants each one of us to pray bigger, bolder prayers. It's time for bigger, bolder prayers. You know, and that can be in our own lives, and it can be for others, and it can be for our community and for our nation. It doesn't really matter, but we need to pray bold prayers. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And James 4 verse 2 says, we do not have what we want because we do not ask. So often we just forget to ask, but God is just waiting for us to get a little bit bolder and get a little bit stronger and say, God, I'm, I need to see my street saved. God, I need to see my family come to you and come to you soon. God, I need to see revival take place. Whatever it is, let's ask boldly. The third thing that we see is that Elijah, Elisha imitates his master. I love that the very first thing that Elisha does is exactly what Elijah did. He picked up that mantle, he struck that water, and he called out to the God of Elijah, and he watched the waters part. And I reckon that Elisha would have known everything about Elijah, having walked with him for all those years. He would have known his habits, he would have known his likes and his dislikes, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he prayed, the way he had relationship with God, how he went about his miracles. He probably would have known all of that. And he imitates his master as he steps into that mantle for himself. And so for each one of us, that's the challenge, to imitate our master. Our master's Jesus, right? And as we study his life, the two things that stand out always are that he loved God and he loved people. He always had time for people. He went teaching them, healing them, setting them free, loving them. And he always went aside and spent time with his father. He always spent time with his father. As we do those two things, as we get out there like love this city and um, love on people, God's power is going to be released. But we also got to back it with time with God. It's so important. We're hearing it all the time. We've got to just spend that time alone with our Father because that's how we get to know Him. That's how we get to the authority to be able to pray those bold prayers. That's how we get the power and the ability to be able to faithfully serve, having that relationship with God. So imitating our Master. And um, finally, we see Elisha has great faith. You know, Elisha's question, where is the God of Elijah, is not so much a question, but it was a statement of faith. He was absolutely confident that those waters were going to part because he struck the water as he said, where is the God of Elijah? He didn't say it before he struck the water. He said it as he was striking the water and he saw those waters part. I don't know about you, but I prefer to ask before I step out, you know, God, can you do this? And then I'll just wait for a bit, see what's happening, and then step out. But the thing with faith is as we step out, God steps in. You know, but sometimes we got to take that first step and believe that God is going to come through and he will come through. And the great thing is all we need is our faith as small as a mustard seed and we can see mountains move. So as we step out, God begins to step in. Those four things we see in Elisha and we can see in our lives today. So where is the God of Elijah? He's where he's always been. 
is on his throne. But the real question is, where are the Elijahs of God? Where are the Elishas of God? No, Elijah and Elisha, they were men of passion. They had their ups and downs, especially you see in the life of Elijah that he struggled with depression and suicide at times. He got down, he got discouraged, he felt isolated, he felt alone, he felt desperate, all of those things, just like we do. But he also knew how to storm the gates of heaven. He also knew intimately our God. He had a personal, deep relationship with him, and he knew how to pray. Both Elijah and Elisha demonstrate that one man praying stands as a majority with God. I love that. God doesn't need an army of prayer warriors. He just needs you. He just needs me. One man, one woman praying stands as a majority with God. And the Holy Spirit, man, it's all about prayer. The Holy Spirit was the key to both these men's success. The energizing spirit or power that enabled Elijah and Elisha to prophesy and to do the miracles that they did was the same Holy Spirit that is with each one of us today. We've been hearing so much lately about how the Holy Spirit is the key to all that we're doing. And as we open ourselves up more to the Holy Spirit, He's going to begin to take over. We've heard about partnering with the Holy Spirit putting on the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit into everything that we're doing. And, you know, I've started changing my um, wording for prayer. I used to always pray God or Jesus. And now I'm always praying, Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you? And I mean, it doesn't really matter. They're all the same. But it's the Holy Spirit that is present. It's the Holy Spirit that is right here, right now, with each one of us, walking beside us, helping us, our comforter, our strength, and our friend. And as we, as we invite him into every part of our life, as we get to know him more, then the power of God is going to begin to move in our lives, and we're going to see the God of Elijah at work. Like Elisha, will we serve faithfully? Will we ask boldly? Will we imitate our master? And will we exercise great faith and step out in faith? Maybe we won't see fire fall from heaven, but I tell you what, we will see lives changed. We will see people saved. We will see miracles happen. We will see breakthroughs come through. We will see statistics reduced. We will see bills in parliament not passed. We will begin to see our nation find God and we will see revival. If the band could come, that'd be great. You know, our nation needs more than needs. Our nation is desperate for the Elijahs and the Elishas to step up. And that's you. And that's me. And we don't have to be perfect. You might be sitting here thinking, man, I'm still struggling with the same sin I struggled with two years ago. Do you know what? That doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if we're not perfect. What matters is that we respond. What matters is that we're willing. What matters is that we say, yes, God, I will be the Elijah. I will be the Elisha. And it's like every week we're hearing the same call. Will you stand? Will you stand in the gap? Will you be the watchman on the wall? Will you be the Elijah and the Elisha? Will you pray? Will you fast? Will you be that man that I search for, that woman that I search for? And week after week, I'm saying, yes, God, let me be that woman. Let me respond. And every week I have to say it again because I'm not perfect. And I don't know how to do it. God help me. But each one of us, as we have that heart to say, yes, God, once again I respond. 
then we're going to start to get to a place where we don't say, where is the God of Elijah? We say, here is the God of Elijah. Here is the God of Elijah. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to um, go back to that song, Worthy of It All, and just sing that chorus. And why don't you just take a moment to respond afresh to God? The Spirit of God continues to call to each one of us, and, and I believe it's a call that will just keep on going out because we need to keep on responding week after week until we see our streets being saved, until we see the supernatural fully released. We're seeing it in part, but let's lift our eyes and ask bolder because there's a whole lot more to come. Until we see our city on fire for God once again, until we see that wall of protection rebuilt around our city where things can't just come in, where, where suicide can't dominate, where, where death can't dominate anymore, where hopelessness can't have its place, where God has its rightful place. So as we sing, why don't you just respond to God in your own way and say, God, yes, I will be the Elijah. I will be the Elisha. Let's sing. You were 